最古的秀。Welcome to your making it worse. We're here. We're queer. Who cares? I'm Elliot Glazer, and I'm Brent Sullivan, and I'm H. Allen Scott. Textual healing. So this article came out recently that we talked about on a text on a text chain. Uh huh.、Um, and as you guys very correctly pointed out to me, it is very much clickbait and very much meant to. Stoke a fire, so to speak. But my fire was stoked,、yep、and、was. I gave in. Elliot, so, Elliot is a sucker for clickbait. I am.、Um, you are like that mom who gets a virus on her computer <laughs> <No> . every week. <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, let's also ver- verify that this is an article that the New York Times wrote. It's very yes, about、uh, Bill White and his husband Brian Yor, who are two very wealthy Manhattanites who were event who were initially、um, uh, liberals. Um, and who poured money into liberal candidates, and who have su- subsequently switched, and they are outright Trump supporters. Yeah. And so this article is very much a profile of them, meant to make people like me angry. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys are much better at understanding the larger context, be able to, you know, write it off as just clickbait. But nevertheless, here it is. It's a You know, Nevertheless, let's give it lots of attention. <laughs> I'm not saying. Well, it's not a matter of you can't not. You can't. It, it's not like it's like a random thing on like some dumb tabloid. It's a New York Times article. It's a profile it, I mean, of absol- two. So it, absolutely, it's a New York Times profile that is meaningless because. Yeah, right. And and this is just and look, I fall for this shit all the time. For me, it's usually slightly deeper cuts. I'll go to Politico. I'll read some. Yeah. You know, some campaign advisor what they think about Kamala, whatever. And our light read. Right, our light reading. <laughs> But here's and here's the reality, and this is something I'll tell myself, you know,、uh, umpteen times over the next twenty、uh, three、uh, months, is articles like this, articles that talk about someone or some person switching sides, are meaningless. Yeah. In any single election that you have, there's always going to be five percent of either side is going to vote for the other side. So,、uh, which is to say. You can find liberals that voted for Nixon. You can find conservatives that voted for Walter Mondale in 1984.、Mm-hmm. You can find liberals that voted for uh, uh, maybe Mitt Romney, whatever. Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan, for sure. A lot of them voted for Ronald Reagan.、Uh, so, to me, what's meaningful is when people when I, when I read articles about larger trends as a whole. So, for instance, in the midterms, we saw this growing divide. Between urban and rural,、yeah. which you really can see in election numbers, in voting numbers,、um, uh, uh, in rural parts of midwestern states, you you can see shifts of ten to twenty percent more Republican rural districts in Ohio,、mm-hmm. Michigan, Pennsylvania. That would be an interesting article because that could be meaningful in twenty twenty. An article about a couple of Degenerates <laughs> in New York who switched sides because they weren't getting enough attention from the Democratic Party is、yeah. fundamentally meaningless. Well, yeah, and, and, and the time, I, so it's sort of like a tabloid piece dressed sure, up. No, as... I, 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 I wouldn't. I mean, I do think it's clickbait, but I wouldn't necessarily call it a tabloid piece. I think it literally is a news organization who sees a story about gay people 
and it seems odd that gay people would support Trump. And so they think, and I don't know the writer, so the, the writer might be queer and I might be reading this all wrong, but I, I see this as a straight person's article about what they think is interesting about gay people and not so much an interesting Trump-supporting article. Um, because it is weird. It is weird that have a have that powerful of gay people you know, in New York City doing a $5 million fundraiser for, for President Trump or something. Like, that's that's very strange. And they're very powerful, too. Bill White, uh, who's 51, was the former president of the Intrepid Sea Air and Space Museum, which is that huge yeah. uh, ship on yes. the west side that he oh. eventually he re- rescued from financial collapse. Yeah. Um, and the other guy's husband is a commercial insurance broker. But, I mean, I wrote an article for Out before the election. I think I've talked about it before that— I think, I mean, men, gay men supporting Trump and being Republicans, it has never surprised me. It doesn't surprise me. And I don't. And Why? People, it, it's and statistically rare, but it's still It is not, rare, but it doesn't surprise me. And surprised. people voting against their own communities. But can you val- explain why it doesn't people, surprise I am, you? Give me a second. People voting against their own community's values doesn't surprise me. There's a whole book on why does Kansas vote Republican that oh, explains right. why people do that. So I, the reason why it doesn't surprise me is that... There's a patriarchal structure within gay worlds still to this day that prevents and, – and you see it in a lot of ways. I mean these people, the reason, one main reason why they switched was Hillary Clinton. It wasn't necessarily because of Trump. And it's this idea of sort of in a weird way a change in the system that – and this is just my own personal opinion about where they're going with this. But a change in the system that even though – gay men don't have the ultimate power of being president and stuff, it's still a dude. It's still a man, and they still have the power within their world. And if somebody else steps in and changes that or does anything to maybe break that power, I mean, to me, you know, sexism and and the power of the patriarchy is one of the biggest epidemics that we have in this country right now and in the gay community. But but Mm -hmm. I will say this. My understanding is if you look at exit polls, uh, for LGBT, LGBT voters in 28, 2012, and 2016, they actually voted more Democratic than ever before in 2016. Yeah, so but you're also looking at Hillary. You're looking at exit polls that, in many parts of the country that don't actually identify their sexual orientation. Yeah, you look I, at exit polls in Mi- Mississippi where that question wasn't even asked. You look at exit well, yeah, polls. Yeah, but, but, but there were still thousands of LGBT voters who were asked, who did course, you vote for? But there yeah. are thousands of other LGBT voters who are going blind to being understanding of how they even voted because we don't understand how gay white men in Mississippi are voting. Okay. I think the like right. I think a point you're getting at is the idea that I look at these you know there's a picture of it's you know it's all meant to like make me mad but it's a it's a framed picture of the the, the husbands and Donald Trump and Donald Trump Jr all doing that repulsive thumbs up to the camera which it's like astounding but I look at them and it's these four you know pasty white guys or whatever and it's like yeah I I can understand I guess Alan I don't think his husband's white uh, well whatever they're just four four dudes yeah Yeah. we've talked about this before the idea that like gay or not gay men are men you're still a man you're still a man there is I think a sort of primitive Neanderthalistic instinct douchiness yeah within within a lot of men and and 
I think it's exactly what you're talking about, yeah. Alan. The idea that it's like, well, yes, I'm I'm, I'm gay, but like if someone's going to come and shake things up, you know, the idea of the, the, this attraction to like alpha dude stuff is still yeah. inherent. And I feel like that, you know, when I read this article, it's like that's how it comes off to me. There was also another part of this article that really bothered me that we talked about in the text chain that, you know, the idea of how liberals— People who don't support Donald Trump react to people who either shifted to vote for Donald Trump or who became Trump supporters or who have always been Trump supporters and how we as a community of liberal people, progressive liberal people, react to Trump supporters. These in the article they talk about, you know, the couple Corey holding Johnson. Corey Johnson, whom I you know, full disclosure, he is a personal friend of mine. We've worked together, I know him well. And he's a very good man. Uh but he's the speaker. He's the openly gay speaker of the city council in New York. And he was welcomed into their home for a fundraiser. Now, of course, I'm only reading it from this article. There might be more to it that I don't know. And he was asked to meet. They suggested they floated the idea of him meeting with Trump for some reason. City and, infrastructure. Yeah. And Johnson um, reacted in a very sort of aggressive way, saying, going over the list of reasons why he wouldn't and why they they said they felt they were left to feel like idiots um, by this interaction in their own home. And to me, now, I don't know the situation, and it doesn't sound like something that he would do. But it's very indicative of how liberals react oftentimes to Trump supporters and to Republicans that how absurd of you to even think of supporting that man. Unfriend when, me. Which it, And it immediately shuts down any communication whatsoever, any understanding of where they're coming from or what their point of view might be, no no matter how dumb their point of view might actually be, you still want to understand it because understanding it then helps you win elections. It helps you not lose an election we should have won in the first place. The problem that I think I brought up in the text chain is that for better or worse— and I'm not saying I'm not defending it. I'm not saying it's the way of the world, but like it feels like we're past a point where people are willing to have an actual conversation. It, it just doesn't. When I don't agree. I just think that social media. I think that's yeah, the influence right. and and the way we communicate online is just so profoundly different than how we communicate in person. Mm-hmm. And mm. <clears throat> you and know, also it's your choice. I mean, you can choose to be appalled and shut down any conversation, or you can choose to maybe try. I mean, when I was at home in St. Louis, I, I talked with family members and people who were Trump supporters. And Alan, unfriend me. <laughs> <laughs> no, unfriend me. But, it's, but it is interesting. If to you're talk- my friend and you support Trump. <laughs> if, if you support, if you haven't bought a pair of Nike shoes <laughs> since they hired Colin Kaepernick, Unfriend me. <laughs> it's so, it's so you, real. You don't care about what I care about. Unfriend, Unfriend me. me. But it's so absurd. It is. It's so it absurd. Is. The, the idea that what we you were saying at home, you were talking to who? We, Your brother. I was talking to family members yeah. in general. I don't want to, you know, put it on them because I. Well, I'm you, sure. no. you could tell us their names. No, um, Alan. But <laughs> no, because there is. I mean, I will say, and, and family members have talked to me about this. There is. A, right. There's repercussions that come from even. Talking about that you voted for Trump, and even though I don't think you should have voted for Trump, I don't think you should also fear backlash based no, on a political decision that you've made. I, I just don't—I don't think you should be iso- like uh, ostracized just because you voted in a way that you might regret eventually. Like, it doesn't—we shouldn't be wait, like wait, that. So, so the other thing that I do think is important to point out, and this is coming from somebody who won't talk to his aunt because she voted for Trump— <laughs> Uh, so fully, full disclosure, I am a monster. 
Um, but the reason why we had such a good midterm in twenty in twenty eighteen midterm elections, and in case you, well, I wouldn't say such good. In the House, it was. In the Senate, it was well, not. It was. It was not as. It was not as good as it could have been. Yes. But we also it were looking. But it wasn't challenging. It wasn't now. a disaster. You, Alan, you you understand me. We yeah. this we had a record turnout, the highest turnout yeah. in a midterm election since the teens. Mm-hmm. The at at the, at the recording at this current recording date, Democrats had an eight point one. Mm-hmm. Uh, party advantage. So the reason we had such a good midterm was because some people that voted for Trump swung the other way. Yes. And I spoke to a lot of them because they did a lot of canvassing. Mm-hmm. Maybe a lot of people made some calls, talked to friends. That's really important stuff. Being you know? open to that conversation. Being open to that conversation and, yeah, have, trying to convince people, look, we might not get those people all back yeah. in 2020. Uh, but I think it's really important that this country have a, a pendulum swing of power. Yeah. Ginsburg talks, talks about this frequently, Ruth uh-huh. Bader Ginsburg. In a liberal democracy such as our own, you want a balance of power. Yeah. And for 2018, the best we could do was, realistically, putting a check on Trump in the House. Yeah. And in order to do that, it wasn't people going online and saying, oh, white, white women suck – yeah. And they're dumb and they should vote the way I think they should. And it wasn't it wasn't because people said, oh, if only everyone was more like these voters who are always Democrat. It's no, it wasn't that it was encouraging people who were worried about the power of President Trump mm-hmm. to vote against a party that they normally vote for yep. and encouraging independents. Exactly. Who might swing or wouldn't have voted to vote for Democrats this time. And to that put doesn't a check on the president. I mean, I hate to bring it up, but. You know, because they're – I don't necessarily agree with all his politics, but uh, 1992, Democratic Party before Bill Clinton was this – they were only running, you know, very far partisan candidates, liberal candidates, candidates that weren't really sort of connecting with the populace. And there was – no one was winning since Carter. And then Clinton got in there and said, well – no, we have to we have to go center of the lane sometimes. We have to be able to communicate with people in different states and be able to understand the Republicans in these states and the Democrats in these states and meet the needs of gay people and meet the needs of, you know, people who aren't abortion supporters and trying to understand people really and how they vote and how they live and how they work and if we get away from that and we get into this world where we don't want to even communicate with people, yeah. like fuck, I don't well, want to live in that world. And that's why this article I don't I think doesn't help anybody because if that is the if if the idea is like we don't want to necessarily hate somebody who voted for Trump. Yeah. I'm not like saying there's two very hateable people who voted for <laughs> really like Trump. Yeah. I'm saying I'm saying like I don't think I'd be able to I don't know how I'd handle it either quite honestly like with your aunt Ramona. Even if you like but, had something to talk about with them? No, that I mean I would. I think I'd be I think I'd be okay to be able to talk about it, but I don't know if I could I, I couldn't really approve of that choice that they made if because subsequently all the things that have happened since. I mean honestly for me all yeah. all I needed to hear was him saying that he grabs women by the pussy and I was like I'm out. But yeah. Let me just let me just finish this point. The idea is that in an article like this there is no there, it's it's literally all a dog whistle, and it's the kind of th- stuff that makes me mad because with there is no questioning as to why these guys actually felt a political need to move. It's all, and I won't go into the article that much, but it's all about like literally about like Chelsea Clinton not calling them back, uh, them not having access to a certain restaurant, like yeah. silly stuff that makes 
them look like idiots, yeah. but also like makes me feel like an idiot because they're baiting me with nonsense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I learned my lesson. <laughs> <laughs> I learned my lesson. Yay. <laughs> hey, guys, guys, Elliot Allen, would you shut up for a second? I want to talk about ButcherBox. I got, I forget if I told you this, I got a ButcherBox in the mail recently. Uh, ButcherBox delivers incredibly high-quality meat. Basically, every box is 9 to 11 pounds of meat, which is insane. That's enough for 24 individual-sized meals. You can do a mixed box. You can do all beef. You can do a custom box. But here's how it works. The meat is frozen at the peak of freshness uh, in individual vacuum-packed containers, and it's such good, high-quality meat. The, the beef is 100% grass-fed and finished. The chicken is free-range or and organic. The pork is heritage breed, which is basically like old-world pork um, before they like bred out all of the fat and the flavor in pork these days. Everything is antibiotic and hormone-free. It's incredible. So they're actually offering to all the listeners of our podcast, they're offering free bacon and $20 off your first box. If you go to butcherbox.com worse and then enter worse at checkout, that is free bacon. And $20 off your first box at butcherbox.com slash worse and enter worse at checkout. Please trust me. It's worth it. Not even joking. We're here with David Smithyman, a stand-up comedian, writer, uh, longtime friend of ours. He's basically a fourth in this group. Like, he really he's is. Like, he's, he really should. You're part of like. That's so sweet. Yeah, you're a fourth in this group. And an Australian who hates Australian accents. <laughs> I do. And yeah. people. Do, do, I hate them. My favorite joke that David always tells is whenever he flies home uh, I love to Australia, joke. he always says. <laughs> He always says, "I have to wear I have to wear headphones when I'm on the plane, not because of the noise, because of the accents." Where in Australia are you from? From Sydney. Okay, but it's like it's true. Like if you're on the airplane, it honestly sounds like it's as soon as you get on, it'll be like everyone, make sure you stow your bags, and it's like <laughs> like, a, like a wet hand down a balloon, like every time. Oh my well, god! I, I remember when when I first met you, what I thought was so funny. Especially, I think, being an, an American where you are just drilled into your head that this is the best place in the world to live. Yes. Yeah. We're doing everything the best. Yep. And you were an Australian who – and you always said that uh, Australia is a country where everything wants to kill you. Yes. Everything. You know, it truly yeah. – yeah, I mean, if you're gay, it's everyone and everything. Um, but it's it's yeah, every yeah, it's like it has every pretty much all of the most poisonous, yeah, venomous, dangerous things. Things in the ocean, all, in the air, on land, everything. There's like yeah. poisonous ferns. It's like, yeah. <laughs> there's like there was this one thing I remember where it was like. I thought they discovered a new species. And normally in other countries, that's like, oh, we found this new bird that's like very cute. In Australia, they found <laughs> invisible jellyfish that were killing people <laughs> in, in swarms. Invisible? Yeah, people were just like swimming in the ocean. And they'd go, ah, and they'd scream. And then people would go, there's nothing there. And then they would just die. Because these invisible swarms of invisible jellyfish who were microscopic would attack people and then kill them. 
Wow. Oh and it's God. like, yeah, you're not supposed to live there. We're not, wow. we're not supposed and to live there. And you always said it was, it's just like a really homophobic. <laughs> Super homophobic yeah, place. It's like, I've always, I, I remember, <laughs> and this is such a bad perception that I have, but I'm sure you'll probably just agree with it. Um, I, I, I did a show once in, like, in, in England and there was like this Australian that came up to me and was like, Ugh. oh, do you like dirty jokes? Ugh. And I was just like, oh, okay. <laughs> And then he started going off in this whole like Holocaust camp, oh. like crazy oh. direction. Well, not so dirty. And then this like Jewish Canadian guy heard it, and it started this massive fight between them. And I was just like, um, stepping out of this Australian anti-Semitic moment. Yeah. Yep. And it's like a thing there. I mean, Mel Gibson, obviously, Australian. I remember yeah. famous anti-Semitic. Yeah, they, they, they're very and they're anti-different kinds of people. Yeah. Sure. So they like it. Muriel's to be. wedding taught us that. <laughs> I, also, I also remember uh, David once posted. It on my wall, you said uh, Facebook wall. You said uh, this like appropriately sums up everything about Australia, and it was a, a picture on the front page of like the Sydney newspaper or something, <laughs> mainly daily of like. just a of just a guy having pizza shoved into his face <laughs> by his kids, <laughs> and he had like his eyes were like bulging, and he it was but it was like clearly put on, but it was still like he still had pizza getting shoved into his mouth. Yes, and I just thought that was so funny. That was front page. So they <laughs> yeah. had an editorial meeting, and they were like front page. Yeah, let's put on front Except page. You did have even though she was a bit of a horrible prime minister you did have an awesome moment where a female prime minister like on the floor of parliament was like mm. calling out sexism which is like something that you don't do not see in modern democracies like a True. female leader being like that is misogynistic that is and and i mean it would have been it would have been so awesome if hillary clinton would have done that to donald trump during the debate being mm-hmm. like you're being a misogynist you're being doing exactly what julia Gillard did Okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the sad thing for me is that she has, in order to do that, I feel like in order to like be listened to, and it's like you, because it's so macho. Even if you're a woman, much like she did, I think you have to be macho too. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like you shouldn't have to do that. That doesn't yeah. feel as different. That doesn't feel <laughs> that different from America. No, in a lot it really of ways isn't. To me. You might be right. Yeah. But at yeah. least where I grew, I mean, I grew up in Long Island, and it was like, oh, you muscle coys, yes. <laughs> fucking fags. Yes. Oh my god, you no, you really? hate Long Island. That's like I the do. ones where like the girls are like crack. Hit the beers on their heads or whatever. And it's like I can do it too, and it's like no, we don't want you. to <laughs> you don't do need that. to have to. I don't want them to, to be doing to do that. But one thing that Australia does have mm-hmm. is that I mean, at least gay nightlife. It's it's pretty famous. Sydney mm-hmm. is known for its gay night, especially its gay pride mm-hmm. uh, festival. Brisbane, Bris- uh, I don't know about that one. <laughs> Bryce, Brisbane, yeah, Brisbane, Melbourne, Tas- Melbourne. What's Melbourne. This? Tasmania, Tas- Tasmania, Tasmania. Mm-hmm. It's a weird well, name. A cold part. Well, is it? So <laughs> you went to NYU. You escaped mm. Australia as soon as humanly possible to go to NYU yes. <laughs> across the world. And I'd never been to New York before, but I was like, is it <laughs> super far away? I'll go. <laughs> so Seems funny. Good. Well, we didn't, we didn't, I didn't, I went to NYU too, but we didn't meet there. We met oh, afterwards yeah. while all doing comedy in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But one thing that has always made me laugh is <laughs> you always saying, when we'll talk about like going out and being gay and doing like nightlife stuff, the idea of dancing and your theory on dancing. <laughs> oh, which is, I, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, my problem, I think it was like a, for me, as a sort of a part of my gay identity, it was like an issue as far as like coming to terms with being gay, where I realized I loved men um, and I was attracted to men. But then I was like... Specifically I, River Phoenix. Specifically <laughs> o- and only River Phoenix. So if that's gay, uh, yeah. I'm that small. <laughs> I'm that sort of subsection. Um, but I remember having struggling where I was like, I don't, I don't know if I am gay because I, j- I, 
every single gay person that is in the media that I've ever seen on TV or in movies that I've ever met at NYU loves to dance. <laughs> and, and I genuinely don't. And I've tried. I've like tried to love it and I just I'm like maybe yeah. I'm just too uncomfortable. Yeah. But then I get comfortable and I'm not this is still boring. I don't I, like I it. I hate it. Yeah. It's so I, funny. People people smile when they dance. They're not talking I don't understand they don't it. they're not looking they're just smiling. I want to punch that smile <laughs> off their face. Yes. I don't <laughs> Get it. We should also uh, add that Brent has a bit that he does that he's been doing since I've known him, since we've known him, where we'll go to a gay bar where people aren't even necessarily dancing. <laughs> yeah. And he'll close his eyes and purse his lips and throw his hands in the air side to side. <laughs> yeah. Even high, it's Make, like a vertical Yeah, thing. it's like a vertical There's no fish bending thing. of the elbows. It's, just, <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like Studio 54. Yeah. I don't really yeah. understand it. It always makes me laugh. Yeah. But what is that? I have to ask, Brent, what is what are you picturing when you've done, like, what is that bit from? <laughs> uh, it's just it's just the, the most embarrassing way you could dance. Right. Because here's the thing. Mm-hmm. I would. I'm sure I would fundamentally like dancing more if I wasn't abhorrent at it. If I wasn't like really noteworthy in how bad I am. Mm-hmm. I've had guys who agree to talk with me, make out with me, and then we'll like go. We'll like dance on the dance floor at like a club, and they'll be like, "Okay, bye." <laughs> because of <laughs> I'm dancing? not a good dancer. Huh. But also, that's the nightmare scenario. I feel like is like why. That should not be a step in the process where you shouldn't. The, the drinking, I understand. Mm-hmm. The talking, I understand. Yeah. The making out, I understand. Right. I don't understand where we go. Okay, well, now we've done that. Let's go over here. <laughs> but the dancing <laughs> is a part of the sexual sort of like component to it. Like you can't, the sexual component in public can't be done necessarily over drinks or over talking or over even making out. Like mm. the dancing part is a part of what leads to the sex part. <laughs> You haven't heard. You, you haven't, I have never experienced that. You've never done that. Oh, I, never. I, I, oh, I get. I get what he's saying. He's saying you're showing your like ab- ability to move your your yeah. rhythmic whatever. And you can rub on each other, but which you can't really my... do out like in the main part of the bar. Like the dance floor is the area where you can actually physically get close without it being very strange in a situation where everyone's talking. That's <laughs> true. I would argue though, just a few lines of a very good poem. I think whispered into into an ear. I I think that's the same thing. But I think I think from maybe that's just I don't think that that's my selling point. But how can you whisper that with Britney Spears? Yeah, right. You can't. can't. Exactly. You have to scream it. When you go out, I mean, I wanted to talk about nightlife just because we've always uh, commiserated about this kind of thing together. Um, Yeah. And. The thing that that we have sort of gotten going just in our friendship in the past few years is this um, bafflement, not even frustration, just a true bafflement by nightlife culture, mm. at least yeah. in the gay realm. And again, mm-hmm. this is specifically like a New York, L.A. thing. But I will get invitations to things via email or some sort of blast or something. And I cannot make heads or tails. <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah. It's incredible. I, I can read one, my favorite ever. Which yes. I'll, re- I'll read it really quickly. Kay. You sent this to me in 2013. <laughs> and you said, you said, I don't understand a single word of this. <laughs> and this is, this is the text of the email that is trying to get people to show up at this club. It's right. been sent oh by God. a party promoter. So it's ostensibly been yeah. sent to yeah. thousands, thousands of, people. of people. Yeah. And it reads... 
Frankie Sharp says, oh, fuck you, honey. The cock is the cunt every Wednesday. DJs, Juliana Huxtable, extreme OFYHs by a bunch of actual sluts. Oh, God. Open wide, slinging cock and tail, hashtag Nashom and Thomas Hascat. $3 shot, $3 rolling rocks. That's the first thing I understand. And then it ends with, oh, fuck you, honey, is every oh Wednesday God. at the cock. What are you talking? I don't understand a word. No. There's, Imagine, no, there's no address. I want a podcast with just Brent reading Nightlife Flyers. That's, I, would, that's, I would fall asleep to that. Yeah. But do you, I mean, do you guys feel the same way? I mean, I, I, mean, I know you do. I'm, I'm setting up the, yeah. the I mean, question. No, I mean, but... I, I, I don't mind dancing. I don't mind going out. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, I like going to Act Bar. I love going and, out. Yeah. I love, I mean, but, well, I don't, I take that back. I don't like going out. But I like dancing if I have to go out. Mm. Like if I'm yeah. actually out and I'm say, doing I something. I going to bars with you a lot in New York. Occasionally. Yeah. I but... mean, we would go to like boiler room and yeah. stuff. But like I, I'm, I'm not, especially now that in L.A., L.A. offers us the ability. In New York, I didn't have this where the home was sort of just like a temporary yeah. place You're that you would drop sleep. shit off because you have yeah. this horrible roommate. full of strangers. Yeah. Exactly. It's just uh, not good. So I would, I would spend a lot of time outside of home. Right. Whereas in L.A., it's like I have a home with yeah. television. Mm, it's and comfy. Like, it's comfortable and I have I have dor- Doritos. Like it's just so <laughs> delicious. You have like good. matching glosses yes. that I can make a drink it's for so you. It's so nice. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. so I don't, I don't go out a lot, but I do like to do. Alan's the kind of guy who like you'll see at the bar like reading a book. Which is sweet. <laughs> yeah. That's sweet. I've seen yeah, that. I, that is that. very sweet. On I, my phone, though. On my I'm going to read from an e- uh, a flyer that I sent to you, David, and mm. I think Brent, too, yes. um, uh, recently. And let's see. I got invited to one of these, by the way. Okay. <laughs> I, I, the, I don't want to na- say the name of the party, I guess, yeah. but here's what it says. Music provided by DJ October, Baron Hawk Poitier, Chris Cruz. Julian Raymond Smith has many personalities, parentheses, male stripper, spirit flesh, sacred pools, and more. Oh and can be heard on equally as many outlets, parentheses, no corner, NTS radio, Barracuse Hero, Hero Week. But as DJ what? October, he tore apart the garden at Bergen last month. As well as chapter ten in London. Again, I don't understand. Yeah, a none, word none of it. So none of it far. makes sense. Baron Hawkins was, was no. a dancer first, then sharpened his DJ teeth with queer DC crew, The Needle Exchanged. His opening what? set at Club Toilet. <laughs> Is it a clinic, dude? So I mean, <laughs> like, are we nuts? I mean, honestly, are no. we nuts? Well, the in flyers that... are ridiculous. Yes. Can you imagine? Can you like? Oh, uh, guys, I'm having a small birthday bash tomorrow. It'll be at Club Toilet. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys at Club Toilet. I, I had a friend. I had a friend. Uh, I forget what city he was in, but he said he went up to a. He was like in line to get into a club, and he's a gay guy. And he got to the front of the line, and the bouncer was like, "Hey, you know it's wet underwear night." <laughs> and John's like, "Excuse me, wet underwear?" Night? Yeah. And the guy was like, "Yeah, you go you mo- home if, in wet underwear. If, if you if you moisten your underwear, you get in for free." Moisten. How do you do that? <laughs> yeah, we, I still don't remember. What does there that was mean? a we all, we all have these friends. I mean, I think every gay person who doesn't necessarily like going out or going to bars and dancing in these kind of situations has that those friends that love it, that are always going, that always invite you, that have the birthday there. 
Mm. I have a strategy. <laughs> toilet. Uh, yeah, club toilet. I have a strategy that has always worked for me, and that I that I don't have to go out for three months stretch. So like, you go out once, you make a big impression that one time you're out. You scream, you dance, you do everything dance like you Brent can. Sullivan. Yes. You dance like Brent Sullivan. So All everyone right. knows that you were there. A month goes by, they think back. Oh yeah, Brent was there last month. Two months go by. <laughs> we haven't seen Brent lately. I think no, last month he was here. Three months go. You get a three month pre. It's genius on my end. I, I'm, but even though we make fun of it all and all and all this shit, mm-hmm. I had so much fun in my twenties getting drunk and going to Splash. Which yeah, we had the fun. Eminent bar. We had fun in New York. Uh, a club in gay club in New York, and I it bums me out to no end that it. Uh, appeals to me less and less with every year. I used to go out in New York to like a lot of the like what quote unquote they call the club kids, you know what I mean? Yeah. I would go to a lot of those sort of like far west side or east village places where there would be a lot of drag and nightlife performers who would come in these like really elaborate looks and it and it was even though there was dancing and shit going on and it was something that I ne- didn't necessarily like going out to it was a spectacle that was fun to be a part of i think that's died though right no it's still alive club kid culture it's like yeah club kid culture is definitely alive Hmm. and even in la like there's a there's a party in west hollywood called avita where there's a part of it called what avita um, that does have sort of the that club kid thing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought said, and I also thought you said Devito. No, no, I use that extra club, and, and I think I think because of Drag Race, club kid culture, especially uh. with Aquaria winning, who's definitely a part of club kid culture, <laughs> is still ha- bringing that up. David, did you ever go out to like when you were at, at NYU? Did yeah, you that's my clubs? question too. No, I went to diners. Uh, Same, no, yes, diners. 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 Or I would just, I just, I think I, I would venture into gay bars, but I like, I mean, I still to this day, and I think. It's it's just who I am. I like dive. I like a, a divey. Yeah. yeah. I feel like we've all, all in in our friendship have yeah. always done that together. I don't think when I think back to us. Um, I'm pointing at Brent, but what you were saying about going out to like Splash when that was around—that yeah. to me doesn't feel like a club. But you that like feels going like out to West bar. Hollywood. Brent. I do go to West Hollywood. Yeah. yeah. Well, you never went to Splash with me because right. it was too hot. It wasn't. Mm, yes. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Hot. I get it. I would go with mm-hmm. Elliot to a bar. <laughs> he would stay for 30 minutes because mm-hmm. he said it was too poorly ventilated. Yes. That's and then true. you would leave. Well, also understand that I was rattled with um, a fear of rejection, and so I'd be terrified of even the. Cons- seat of approaching somebody with yes. the idea that I would always say to Brent, I'd always be terrified that they know what I want. So yeah. why would I say hello to them? And now I'm, yes. like, I'm like, what the fuck cares? But that's, yeah. I think that would have, that would have destroyed. I think that's I never went to Splash either. And I think it's, or I didn't go, I just didn't go because then people would go, but I, di- I didn't, didn't go because I think the fear of rejection. And also it, at that time it was so formative for me where I had just come out and I think I was still sort of absorbing that and trying to figure out gay culture and figure out what it was. And I think just the idea that even if I wouldn't have, I would never have spoken to somebody, you know, in a million years or, right. or approached someone, but just the idea that like someone like, you know, like some sort of hot person in wet underwear would like insult me <laughs> or yes, be like, you know, push me right. or, you know, right. or say like, what are you doing here? You know, I thought yeah, that right. was my fear. They would single you out out of hundreds yes. of people yes. and say, you don't belong here. We were, yes. I mean, we were honestly like on parallel timelines at NYU going through very similar form- formative process of being completely like clueless and confused. And I don't know if you are were around for the diva ball, did you oh. ever? Do you remember the diva ball? <laughs> no, I'll never forget it because I went once and never looked back. But freshman year, you're meeting all these new people. I'm newly out or just about to be, so I'm figuring out like 
like you were just saying, figuring out like what this is, what this looks mm-hmm. like, what I'm supposed to fit into this. And my new friends or whatever were like, come to the NYU Diva Ball. It's thrown by the LGBTQ what Center. Well, it's a it was a party that they actually threw at the Roxy, which was what? pretty amazing. Wow. But uh, so I went <laughs> pretty, in like a mesh shirt. I didn't I wasn't dressing up yet, <laughs> but I went again with people who I didn't really know, you know, and and um, it was just like a loud club bar thing which immediately made me uncomfortable and then what's the ball part of it though a drag show oh it's a drag show okay but um it was a drag king show um or maybe there was like a drag queen and then a drag king but i'll never forget the drag king coming out um doing an eminem song and just pulling out of his pants a humongous dildo and swinging (laughs) it in the air and i and everyone was cheering and i was like I don't get, and I left because I just didn't get it. Yeah. And it's crazy to to like look at the nightlife flyers that I pulled up to to like laugh at, and they don't seem that they don't seem that different. No. Yeah. I'm like, it well, all yeah, makes... I mean, a, a lot of people dig that shit. Yeah. And and I I remember mm. seeing uh, I stilettos with the, was a lesbian bar that yeah. I would go to yeah. with my friend in Detroit, and they I loved their drag king shows. Oh really? Yeah, I thought I don't know. I I also love a good dildo popping out of something. I don't. Well, okay. really? I also don't. I don't think that that's what I go to things for. That's how, that's how I feel. I mean, and, and also this is different. But I mean, to each that's, their own. Yeah. yeah. I'd be at the and, bar, I think. Yes, yeah, me right, too. And right. like 19 is different than 35. Not that I'd like, I'm hungering to see like <laughs> drag kings throw dildos around, but I'm more open. I'm more interested. I'm more open to it a different also, experience. It now. also reminds me because when I went off to college. I did this thing where I thought I was going to meet, like, my husband yes. yeah. at LGBT resources. So, as did I. Oh, yeah. And so yeah, I was waiting. Oh, every time, I don't know where I got, because I didn't even, it sounds like the kind of advice your mom gives you, or your dad is like, son, if you want to make friends, go where there are books, and stand yep. by the books, He's and not wrong. talk to people That's who very walk sweet. by, or some, some People bullshit. will ask you what book you're looking right, at. Right, <laughs> right. And Nobody does and, that. But I would, I would look up every event, and... And I would be like, oh, I'm going to make sure I'm going to be at the Wednesday discussion about the Susan Sontag book or whatever. Yes. Thinking there would be a hundred people there and no one ever showed Absolutely up. Absolutely yeah. did the same thing and several times. It, took me, it really took me like a year before I realized, oh, that's right. Gay guys, even though we're not allowed to be in bars yet, in theory, because right. we're 19, everyone was going to bars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Necto. Do you ever, I used to think, I mean, I still kind of think it on some level, but you know, like the Harry Potter, like in freshman year, when I was coming out, I sort of went for a Harry Potter sort of gay <laughs> identity, which was not doing great. Sorry, what does that mean? Because yeah, then I would mean? go to Hot Topic and I bought a bunch of Harry Potter. They were selling like Harry Potter <sighs> licensed things. Love that. So yeah. I would wear like, someone had once said to me, oh, you look like Harry Potter. And so I was like, oh, I'll lean into that. So, <laughs> lean into that. So I, I wore like a Quidditch like jacket and then like Oh, a, I'm obsessed. And then like a Gryffindor shirt and stuff. Um, <laughs> but I remember it was like, I think the, the thing that I, I identified with and I think I still do is that idea of, like, for gay bars and for, like, going out in nightlife, that in, like, Harry Potter, it's, like, that thing where you're miserable, and then, like, an owl will ar- an owl will fly in through your window and give you a letter, and they'll be like, look, this really cool place exists. You've yeah. just never heard of it. Yeah. And everyone that you've ever wanted to meet, yeah. is all, they're all there. Yeah. And I feel like it's that idea that I think I still in some way cling to, where it's like, um, there's there's got to be this really cool gay bar that I just... I've no, not heard of right. because it has to be del- you have to be her hear about it from an owl right. and so it's like all these really cool gay guys that are like me right. are all hanging out there 
and they're and they're chilling and they're hanging at the bar and everyone's talking and they're not playing really loud like you know uh Britney Spears and stuff they're just yeah. they're just, everyone's just being cool and it's like right. where's that bar somewhere out there for me it must exist well somewhere. i found that must, bar exactly. when i was in college and it was called live journal it was on the internet <laughs> <laughs> but i also say i very i also like brent was very earnest in trying to discover that and also trying to discover the the place that the owl would tell me to go yeah. uh and so what i did was <sighs> find myself um, enrolling for an internship at a nightlife company. He was the clipboard kid. It was like I was like <gasps> the gay. It was like the gay, yes. like a the gay kid marketing. Walks around with a clipboard, asking good-looking people to sign up <clears throat> to be on the email list. Yeah, it was an events company that made wow. that did like drag shows, Joan Rivers shows, and then like a party called Pop Rocks. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> oh, you remember it? Yeah, yeah. And it was like oh, I think the, I knew it was Pop like twin, you know, like kids and like. 18 yeah. and over or whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I, I enrolled in that and I wore weird clothes and had a clipboard. And You wore mesh, I believe. Yes, I wore, I wore mesh. <laughs> <laughs> and I would like take emails down and yeah. I swear to you, I was like miserable, <laughs> but I was pushing myself through it because I really thought that something good would come of it or I would make some connections and I would literally be falling asleep. Like yeah. and, and yeah. I'll never forget the <laughs> DJ, this like DJ, whatever DJ, the guy who like ran the whole thing. He was DJ he, bitch or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like Danny DeVito as the Penguin, yeah. <laughs> and he was like DJing at Pop Rocks, and he was like, he was like, watch my station. And I was like, okay. As he was like eating a raw I'm fish. Like, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, watch my station, and I'm like, okay, like where's he going? And this was at like. It was called like 261 Flamingo or some shit on in the East Village. Yeah. And he turned around and because we're on the second floor of the building and he pissed out the window. <laughs> what? And I was like, what? Yes. Why don't you just why couldn't you go Wait, to the bathroom? What? what? He that pissed out the window so, onto the floor. That is so disgusting. Funny. I was like, it's disgusting, what? but funny. It's really Wait, funny. That is the funniest thing I've pissed ever out the window. heard. That's insane. insane. The DJ can do you it. You should be in jail, exactly. but that untouchable is hilarious. At that time. When I first moved to New York, I, I, didn't, <laughs> least I didn't have any gay friends. I didn't really know anybody. And I lived, and you lived in Prospect Lefferts Garden. I right? did, with three straight dudes. <laughs> right. And so I didn't have any sort of gay experience whatsoever. And I was a big, I still am a big movie person. And they had like the premiere for bad education like uh oh yeah yeah and i mean dangerous minds no 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 no. it's um uh pedro almdavar <laughs> wild film. things yes and 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 it was it was this this gay bar in chelsea uh, excess xcs you remember XL. this yeah, sure. no it's oh, not excel XC- yeah. XCS. Yeah. Yeah. they're yeah. all XCS. called like energy they're all like they sound like energy it took drinks. me years to like figure out that it was sex backwards it's oh my god, god. Oh my I never literally god. didn't even know that. Yeah. I thought it was excess. Yeah, yeah, too. same. And I, they had like I a thing that. there for the film, <laughs> so I went thinking like, oh, it's going to be a lot of gay movie buffs like me going to yeah. talk about this movie, and it literally was just like jerking off over Guy <sighs> Garcia. But then yeah. that led me to, I'm, I met some dude there being like, I know, this is kind of ridiculous. Go to Hedda Lettuce's, a drag queen in New York's mm-hmm. um, like old movie night oh, that the, she has Chelsea? at yeah. Chelsea, and he was like, that will be the place for you, and I went, and it totally was the yeah. place for me it was awesome because it was like it was camping and it was fun and it was movies and it was just it was awesome yeah. I think like what David like what you're saying it's like even then and now mm-hmm. you're hoping to find you are you look you know especially yes. as you're like you're finding your identity as a kid or an adult but you're finding yourself in a subculture and you're like where do I find the thing a yeah. thing and it is it does take like what you you know what you yeah. found this this weird movie night in yeah. with head like it's like oh I found my I found a thing yeah. and you yes. hold on to that and you grasp onto that because 
it's otherwise it, it, it can but become overwhelming. you also start applying that thing to the settings yes. in which you find annoying. So like, you know, you go to gay bars and I hated the gay bars and the like the loud music and all of that. But like, I loved the campiness of mm-hmm. sort of gay nightlife. Uh-huh. And so when I would go to these bars, I would gravitate towards the club kids or the drag queens or the, like the people who were being sort of elaborate and campy and showy and mm-hmm. fun because it was a distraction from all the other fucking noise that I hated. Mm. Sure. You know? So, you, yeah. David, now you are married now. Yes. Does that? Thank God. Yeah. Thank <laughs> God. Well, I was going to ask, like, Stephen, your husband is not really a go-outer type of... Well, we we both love. I will I will say that we both love going out, and so and I and I love to. We both love to drink, and we both love to. Uh, we're both like sort of. I'm I'm like introvert extrovert that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Where I need I I need time by myself, mm-hmm. but I I thrive on. I do need I need close friendships, and right. I need I need I'm the same way people. Yeah, you know, and I so I and so <clears throat> I. I love going out with my with friends and going to bars and doing things in a sort of a controlled way mm-hmm. that I that, that I that won't make me uncomfortable. Um, and Stephen is is more social than me, but we'll go out to we go out to bars kind of a lot, but we rarely we'll rarely go together to gay bars um, because it's just not for us really anymore. I mean, he'll yeah. go more than me, but do you feel like you've graduated? Because <laughs> I'm I mean. I certainly am envious that you don't have to. Yes. I mean, that was, I remember getting into it. And when I started dating my now husband, seriously, Stephen, I remember being so happy. Yeah. So I was like, now I don't have to oh, go. No. I remember I you love metropolitan anymore. Yeah. I remember you know? so distinctly you were like, I'm so happy to be in this relationship because I can't join Tinder. <laughs> That's it. That's you it. You're like, I can't, I can't do, I can't do Tinder. No. And, and I remember that so distinctly because that was, I think, really important to you. Because I, I, I had also been—I mean, I had been on OK Cupid, which was like the big thing when I was right, single. But I had been on that for for a long time, and I'd also—I knew everyone's face, so yeah. I'd been on yeah, for I so know. long that I was like, "Oh, is this this guy with the with the eyebrows and then this guy?" And I yeah. just knew everyone's face. The eyebrows. Yeah. And I was like, "It's the, it's the same pool yeah. of people." Yeah. And I remember having an alert on my thing where I'd be like, "Only look for the people who've just joined," and yeah. then they would just join. I would jump. Like, Hello, help, help, please help me! Like, I'm so lonely. Like, but then I just was so happy when I deactivated that thing and deleted the account because I was like, "This, you know, one of it was kind of like a a, a show of of show of like confidence, mm-hmm. I guess for." Or uh, of hope for your relationship, we're like, I'm gonna delete it. Yeah. I'm delete this dating thing, and maybe it won't work out with who I'm dating, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a chance and delete it, and maybe I'll never have to go back. Yeah. And knock on wood, haven't had to go back. Yeah. Yeah. Very lucky. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> very lucky. <laughs> totally. Uh, one last question before you go: Is nightlife as biz- is gay nightlife as bizarre in these flyers that we've been emailing for years? Mm-hmm. In Australia, is it is it an American thing? Is it a New York, LA thing? You know, I I wish I I don't know. Yeah, just yeah. because I in Australia I was a closeted, um, but I think uh, you know, and and B I just didn't go out. I just hung out at my house. Yeah, um, and went to movie marathons and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know. I, I imagine it's exactly the same. That would be my yeah. guess. I can yeah. tell you it's the same in London and Berlin. Is it? It's just insane. It's like that dominating in Ontario and Berlin, Texas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, my dream has always been and I, and I've had I talked to my psychiatrist about this and I talked to some gay friends and my dream has always been and I would love to hear what you guys think. I I love cocktail I love dive bars and I love fancy cocktail bars. Those are my two things I like. Yeah. So 
I always, I've always said, why is there no cool, fancy, gay speakeasy or a mm-hmm. gay cocktail mm-hmm. bar? Why does that mm-hmm. not exist? Mm-hmm. And I always thought, like, you know, if you ever got rich enough, could you open that up? And would people go and would it be a success? Like, mm-hmm. would people that like, you wouldn't play really loud music. You'd play, like, it would just be a cool speakeasy. But yeah. it would be gay. And so you could go there and you could meet people. If you were single, you could meet people. Yeah. You know, you know I, I would be willing to invest, but okay. only $25. They used to not have a place to work that in, yeah. in Echo or in Silver Lake years people ago. People always telling it these stories. Down. No, it closed yeah. down. I remember I went to it my first year here in LA in like 2007 because I was so excited about it. And it was sort of like a, it was a bit like a piano bar. And what they, was it they called? Had like, but I, forget, I don't want a piano Well, bar. but it's not like, it wasn't like just a piano. It was like literally just a cocktail bar where you would go and there was like, it was quiet and there was music and they would have theme nights of course like think because that's how you bring people in but like it was chill it was, it was very foreskin, chill i think oh, <laughs> i think it was yeah. called, oh, uh, it was called taint taint yeah i forget, I forget what it was called toilet <laughs> wait i actually my uh, um it's a gym without now. getting too like existential <laughs> or 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 um without getting too existential or, or trying to like wax intellectual yes ultimately when you stop and think about nightlife not, and I'm not talking about straight nightlife. I'm talking about like gay nightlife. Uh-huh. It is really, uh, and this is always, I've always felt like this since I was 19. It is bizarre how it all does in some way or another fall into a very specific aesthetic and type. Not, I don't mean from bar to bar. I mean the idea that it's like you get in and it's kind of scary. Like yeah. it's meant to be kind of like I don't think it's scary. It's it meant to be lights. intimidating. That's what I mean. Ripped vinyl red well, lights. Well, I, I, the... I do think that's. I mean, all clubs are kind of just. Dis- I mean, there aren't <laughs> clubs that are welcoming pillows. Yeah, you know, it's not like you come in and it's a lanai. Yeah, I think I most wish. clubs are, go- are going to skew towards being. You know, lots of steel. Dark and steel. <laughs> yes. Dark, you know, fog like, machines. But too many fog aren't machines. Aren't so many gay bars? I feel like, like at least for for at least for straight people, I imagine. You have like clubs if you want to go to clubs, but you have other all these other different kinds of bars if you want to go to different kinds of bars. You know yeah. what I mean? And I feel like we don't have that. We don't. Thing. And 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 if we're complaining, imagine being a lesbian where there are oh no God. bars yeah, for lesbians, no which is bars, insane. Right. Yeah. But I will always say when I hear, and maybe this is me being super privileged, but I'm at a point where when I have my when straight friends like complain about like not being able to meet somebody, I'm like, the world is your bar. <laughs> the world yeah. is your fucking bar. Yeah. Yeah. So shut the fuck up the and airport, go into the anyone. world. Go to the airport. airport. Go, go to, to the airport. Yeah. Go to a gas go to the lemonade in the <laughs> Unless you're that senator at the airport. That's, what Larry Craig. Unless Larry you're Larry Craig. Craig. He's the one gay dude that got played he's at got the a, He's got a wide defecating stance just like <laughs> Elliot. Just like Elliot. I knew he was going to go there. David, thank you so much for being thank here. Thank you so much for having me. Stop thinking about me defecating. And David, where can people People find you. Uh, Club Toilet every Wednesday night <laughs> for toilet trivia. Um, no, I mean you can just you know you find me in uh, in, in generally in my house in the Water Village <laughs> with my dog. Watch TV. You're um, so domestic. Yeah, I love it. Thank you, David. Thanks, David. Hey, thanks, guys. And another thing. Do you guys want to have kids? <laughs> <laughs> no segue. I'm just uh, asking you straight up. Well, I don't, I don't appreciate or understand love. Okay, but I, I actually have recently. I think we might have talked <laughs> about this a couple times. Appreciate or understand? understand. <laughs> like uh, a Cylon. I, I, I could do and want to do foster kids. Mm, that's uh, such a great thing. How come? I don't think. Well, first of all, it's going to be alone because that seems to be the trend in my life. <laughs> um, but I, I don't, I don't. I'm not good at crying babies. 
I just can't deal with babies. But once they hit five, then that's five fun. You gotta wait five <laughs> once years. Start, one, well, once they start talking and developing personalities, I'm like, kids are great. And the only time you can kind of, I think, choose maybe what age someone is that enters your house is when you do foster care. How no, do you deal no, with? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I have to only because my mother was adopted very late. She was adopted when she was 11. Uh-huh. Um, that it, it isn't just foster. Like there's. A shit ton of kids in this country who are older, who aren't in the foster care system, who are up for adoptions, and people just don't fucking want them oh, because everyone sure. wants a baby. Well, I'm I'm game for that too. Yeah. Um, I just and this is not about adoption or fostering, but um, with your niece and nephew, uh-huh. uh did that make a difference in the way you thought about when you would want to adopt? Yeah, because I couldn't deal with them crying. Mm, yeah. Just, I have a very similar know. reaction yeah. to you where I, I wish I didn't have that reaction, but it's so innate. Yeah. And I just feel an immediate sense of dread Rage. and anger. <laughs> really? When I hear a baby cry. Do you not yeah. have babies? That? No. Ba- I, I, I mean, I'm really good with kids. Babies crying don't bother me. It's just sort wow. of. It's... Even on a plane? No, not really. Oh, my oh, God. You got to get person. those Bose, like, sound-canceling <laughs> yes. headphones. Those yes. really help. I, 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 I always said that, like, I definitely wanted to adopt kids because I, when that kid is like 13 14 and they're like hating themselves and the way they look i want to be able to be like blame your crack mother i didn't do it um, <laughs> threaten them yeah because i don't i don't I, I like i don't want to give anyone these pores like i have a really big pores and i don't want to sure. spread oh that my god spread that on um, i thought the same thing about you yeah yeah <laughs> i'm fucking ugly um but no i i don't know if i i disagree by the way let me let me just put that out there i, I, do I don't know agree with that if i want to have kids maybe i don't oh, know i always thought you did want yeah, to have I, kids. I did too i I mean, I don't know. I, I, I go back and forth on it all the time. I I know if I do have children, it will be through adoption. I definitely and not, and I joke about the poor well, thing. I knew but that like, too. <laughs> but like adoption, I just my mom's adopted, and I always thought, even when I was a kid, like you'd never do a surrogate. No, of course not. I it seems like I so think, much money. Well, it seems like so much money, but also too, and this is sort of hokey and whatever. But like, I feel like as gay people, biologically, we aren't allowed to like you know through our relationships have children, and I think on some special way, like we're karmically made to like do the good thing. I feel the and same way. Help a child because there's agree. so many kids who need to be adopted. And my mom, listening to her experience, talking to her, her adoptive brothers and sisters, and just the power of adoption. It's just it's just so emotional and needed and necessary in this country. And to be gay and to have that option to be able to do that, it should be like. They should be throwing money at us to adopt because yeah, like, it's it's very funny when you see. People. I, you're right. I do want more money. You're right. <laughs> I want more money point. to adopt. That's a great point. It, it Alan. is so funny. I mean, you don't hear it that much anymore. But when people are like, you know, when they protest against against the idea of like gay parents, it's like yeah. uh, we paid for these ki- like. We paid for these kids. We, like, struggled. We did fucking paperwork. There's and still a heart. There's a huge stigma about single men of adopting. Course, oh, of course. Of yeah. course. But that's what I'm saying. It's like we're going out of our way to, like, help and rescue these kids, like, lost in the fucking system. Yeah. And I feel the same way. I, I, I want to adopt. Um, the one thing that I would push back on is you saying that you want to raise children in Long Island, which you've told me. <laughs> yeah. And I've told you that's a big, big, big Horrifying. mistake. I actually think I was present at this argument. Or uh, Westchester. Or Westchester. Westchester. Westchester is a different world than yes. Long Island. You would not like the way I things turned out. I love a suburb. I love a mall. <laughs> I love Westchester. Nice, go to Rye. car to get everyone around in. How many, um, uh, how many kids would you want to adopt in a perfect world? Two. 
Two. Uh-huh. Only two, possibly three, but that child would have to come later in life and it would have to be as a men's to men something in my relationship. Wow. So sort, of like, yes. sort of like a sitcom scenario. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And sense. Brent? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've given myself until like 45 to like... So I've got twenty years uh, t- <laughs> until I like definitively like figure out I, when. No, no, I mean, how, but how many kids would you want? Oh, sorry, uh, eh, maybe one. I'd want one. Yeah. I, but I'm totally okay with just like my career being my kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. like I don't. Like, I will say you. I think you'd be a great parent. Well, I I do think I would be as well. But I don't know if that is in the cards. I think you would be a good parent. There would be a lot of uh, talk about history and politics. Yep. Uh-huh. I don't know if your kids would necessarily <laughs> yep. enjoy. No, nope. it's funny. I just imagine you like do, packing but... lunch. I just imagine you with like a lot of like Tupperware. I you should yeah. see when we moved when Michael and I moved into this apartment. He was he, he made me throw away yeah. so much Tupperware. You're, you're a collector. I am. <laughs> <laughs> but I imagine you raising kids in a very cozy home. Yeah. Did you guys ever watch The Fosters? No. This was the best show on TV, if you ask me, and it was on Freeform or ABC Family. Mm-hmm. And it was about Terry Polo. And, well, not about Terry Polo, but Terry Polo and another woman. They played a lesbian couple. Yeah. And the show was literally them just like adopting and fostering just tons of kids, a house yeah. full of kids. And they live in a house with furniture and an aesthetic that I always was well made me think of H. Allen as a parent. Mm-hmm. Very cozy, very like warm, lots you can of blankets. Spill anything on anything and it's okay. <laughs> anything. But I just it just it, it's the show that would just make me weep. Just yeah. make me weep because it's like that's perfection. And again, it's yeah. a, it's a it's a teen drama, but ultimately it has this But of course it's still made this 34-year-old man. Uh, absolutely. Rosie, Rosie was on it. Rosie was on it. That's yeah. right. And it was produced by the guy from Queer Eye. Um, or not queer eye, um, queer as folk. Yeah, but also uh, I forget his name. We're getting a little too. inside baseball but here, guys. Let me, yeah. let me get a little outside baseball or whatever. <laughs> it was produced by J Lo. Oh, isn't that oh, cool? It really, I did yeah. Not know it's that. the. Per- let me. I would just say it's just the most perfect contemporary American yeah. idea of a uh-huh, of an uh-huh. a, a chosen family. Terry Polo pulls <laughs> off a great cop haircut. <laughs> <laughs> What would would your your aunt aunt say? Brent, what would your Aunt Ramona have to say about something on today's episode? I don't think Lindsey Graham's gay. I think he's really good looking. (laughs) (laughs) That's because she's a trumper. Yeah. Uh, Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would say, I liked Rosie O'Donnell right up until she yelled at Tom Selleck. (laughs) (laughs) All of us did. That's a good one. When Rosie yelled at Tom Selleck about the gun issue. Gun issues. Yeah. And uh, I know, I think my Aunt Joanne would say, um, club, club, club excess sounds fun to me. (laughs) I'd go to that. For your Making It Worse, I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. It's a good show.